electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people make friends and just try and make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Do you want to know the secret ingredient behind this market's incredible rally from the bottom last year? I figured it out. It's the short sellers. When the bears bet against the stock, they borrow shares, then sell them. But if that bet goes wrong, they're forced to buy the stock back. And that buying is like rocket fuel for stocks. Oh, we got a bunch of examples today, even as the averages were pretty sedate. Dow inching up 15 points, that's me advancing 0.30%. NASDAQ gaining 0.35%. Just like ordinary investors will throw in the towel and sell when their favorite stock gets obliterated, short sellers throw in the towel when their favorite targets go up too much. The invisible cover of their defeat is evident every day in this market. And it's something we don't talk about enough. How the heck do you think we've managed to go six straight months without a 5% decline? Capitulating short sellers are like a fifth column supporting the bulls, even if they're not doing it by choice. Most of the time when someone goes short, they have a thesis about overvaluation, along with a sense that the situation is very precarious. I mean, they, they want fear. They want danger. You need more conviction to go short because if you're wrong, your losses could be unlimited. Of course, you get a bad piece of news, maybe a shortfall, maybe a scandal, and boom, the shorts clean up. When you layer on a hideous balance sheet struggling under a mountain of debt, well, it's even better for the shorts because you get the possibility of a total breakdown. The stock could go to zero. But thanks to a new generation of investors, investors who treat short sellers as prey, we've got a very peculiar market. Take AMC. Honestly, this movie theater chain, I mean, it has no business being solid uh, after over a year and a half of COVID. It owes a ton of debt. There's little demand for its product. And the interim competition keeps getting fierce. 
as we'll hear from Disney later tonight, which is cleaning up. And judging by the extremely positive reaction, by the way, to an insanely good quarter from Disney, it may too be a benefactor of a short squeeze going bad both tonight and then tomorrow. Eight months ago, AMC was an obvious short candidate. Betting against this thing seemed like shooting fish in a barrel. Then Wall Street bets came along and started ganging up against the shorts, pushing stocks like AMC higher in order to force the bears to buy them back. And that allowed CEO Adam Aaron to raise $5 billion in inflated common stock. At least where a typical heavily indebted company stock with no revenues might be enough to stave off bankruptcy for the next five years. He saw the meme stock formula and he decided to do everything he could to embrace and harness, if not love, the power of these newfound ape traders, as he calls them. Well, they call themselves that, and he called them that on the call. Now, every time a bunch of shorts try to go after AMC, they get smacked down by the legion of bear bombers. The thing is, this action makes no sense to most of the veterans who've been in business for a long time. The analysts are paid fortunes, right? Fortunes to predict the directions of the stocks they cover. But they're almost uniformly negative about AMC. Several of them are still using $1 price targets for this $33 stock. And their conviction has not been deterred, not at all, by the better-than-expected quarter the company reported this week. Some of that's because they think the Delta variant will be the finally the thing that crushes AMC. Some of that is because they look at the balance sheet and said, who the heck would ever want to own this stock? To me, their view is nuts and pathetic. See, AMC is no longer trading based on the fundamentals. And anyone who tries to pretend otherwise is only fooling themselves. When you have a group of shareholders who, when faced with imminent bankruptcy, simply buy the stock even more voraciously, can you imagine what happens if anything good happens at AMC? Oh, they're never going to let go. You'll catch a double. Whenever you talk about AMC, people immediately think of, well, GameStop, uh, the other major meme play. But they're not really in the same league. You see, unlike AMC, GameStop actually has a picture-perfect balance sheet, and its chairman, Ryan Cohen, has the Wall Street bets crew in the palm of his ice cream-filled hand. I'm not saying either of these stocks are necessarily worth buying here, but you can't short them because the shareholder base will destroy you every time. Does GameStop really have a bright future? I don't know, and honestly, I don't even care. This doesn't matter. This is all about the stuff dreams are made of. Maybe GameStop becomes a crypto deposit center. Maybe they turn their stores into gaming palaces. Maybe they find a way to make money off virtual reality. I don't know. I think they're better off keeping their plans vague because for the moment they've got an almost unlimited source of capital. And that gives them a lot of options. Again, it's insane that GameStop can pretty much raise as much money as it wants. That's not supposed to be happening. No analyst who follows this stock believes it belongs anywhere up here. Based on the fundamentals, the analysts are right. What future is there really for brick-and-mortar video game retailer? Will you give me a break? But just like AMC, the stock no longer trades on the fundamentals. The memesters have their own priorities. And as long as they believe in GameStop, well, there's only so long it can go. All right, now let's contrast that with Tesla. Now, this one's been a huge battleground, right? I mean, you got a real smart guy with a dream to build the best car in the world, an electric car, and he actually delivers an electric car. He delivers on his dream. He does it with the help, sure, of government tax credits and short sellers who kept pushing the stock higher when they're forced to buy it, buy it back in order to close out the position. Remember, they have to buy stock, and that allowed Tesla to raise even more money. What a virtuous circle that was. Mostly, though, Elon Musk makes it happen because he's a brilliant guy with a brilliant team. The car's incredible. Now, I want you to contrast that for a moment with Adam Aaron at AMC. Oh, Adam's clever as all get out, as all, uh, and, and like Elon Musk, he's got a real sense of showmanship. But at the end of the day, AMC is a century-old chain of movie theaters. Sure, they can sell drinks and soda water and dinner even. And pop. Hey, they can uh, take payment in Bitcoin. They offer free popcorn for shareholders. 
Ultimately, though, AMC is not a car that runs on water. Adam is not going to develop a cancer vaccine. You go there to watch movies, just like you've always done. Except this time you can get COVID if you're sitting next to someone with the Delta variant. <coughs> Again, all of that means nothing to the Wall Street Pets crew. They don't care about the fundamentals. They don't even care about the Delta variant. They care about their ability to boost the stock on the backs of the short sellers. Now, you may not like it. Warren Buffett, for all I know, doesn't like it. But the apes, they're very clear on it about what they're trying to accomplish. The whole thing is kind of a, a, it's a multi-level marketing scheme meets chain letter mini bull market. Why does all this matter? Well, because you've now got an army of short busters who are eager to jump in anytime the short sellers get too crowded. That means the stocks of companies with problems, the kinds that are liable to attract short sellers, they got a degree of protection it never had before. Never! These days, it's much more dangerous to short anything. The other day, Albertsons, the heavily indebted grocery chain that I've liked, to put a new CFO. Oh, boring. Except for, wait a second, did a great job at Best Buy. Next thing you know, the stock jumps 20%. Why? Because Barclays, which have been telling people to sell it, Switch and told people it was okay. There goes the prop. Here comes the cover. I don't know where this ends, but I can tell you that as long as there are lots of people shorting stocks that are popular on internet message boards, as long as there are lots of money managers shorting the entire market, betting they'll be dragged down by the weakness in bonds and the Delta Force, the bears will have a very hard time putting this market down. Here's the bottom line get this, understand it, especially you analysts out there. Until something happens that truly panics the bulls, creating natural sellers, this is going to be a very tough environment for the shorts. And as long as they know that, maybe they'll wait until they really have something that scares the daylight out of the owners or else. Can we start with Doug in Ohio, please? Doug. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate everything you do. I appreciate you, Doug. Thank you for calling me. Okay, um, I'm buying stocks for the long term, and I know four months is not long term, but four months ago I bought Danaher Corporation at 239 a share. Today it's 313 a share. How do you decide when it's time to sell or if a stock Danaher has the Cephid machine. This is by far the best COVID machine for people. If you want to test mass, 4-8, most accurate. It's fantastic. Danaher is a buy, 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 buy. I say take it to 350. No, 400. No, do I hear 450? How about 500? With an army of short busters at the ready. This market's a tough place to be short. The bears are having a hard time putting the market down. Oh, man, money tonight. Last night, Bumble reported stronger than expected revenue. Look out, bears. So could the stock be the perfect match for your portfolio at these levels? I'm talking to the CEO. Then, with boats remaining in high demand, I'm heading to the dock and talking to Brunswick's top brass to see if the stock could keep cruising higher. And Disney just blasted off after the bell with an amazing quarter. So could the future remain magical for the House of Mouse? I have the exclusive with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Looks like Bumble's finally gotten its groove back. Last night, the female-friendly online dating platform reported fantastic quarter, terrific guides. Stocks soared nearly 7% today, although it's still down more than 30 bucks from its post-IPO peak back in February. So could this be the beginning of a much larger move higher? Let's take a closer look with Whitney Wolf Hurd, the founder and CEO of Bumble, to find out more about the quarter and where her company's headed. Ms. Wolf Hurd, welcome to Mad Money. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. All right, Woody, this is a very exciting quarter. I mean, we're talking about numbers, total revenue increasing 38%, Bumble app revenue 55%. A lot of people were looking for less than that. What caused you to have such astounding and surprisingly good numbers? So first and foremost, demand. Looking for love, looking for friendship, looking for connection. This is just a fundamental human need, and our platforms are trusted, they're safe, and we drive this opportunity to find connection in one of the loneliest times in history. And we're seeing this insanely um, productive growth, both through areas where lockdown is still taking place, but also in these markets that are emerging out of the pandemic. And we're very, very pleased with our performance. Well, I think there were people who felt that the Delta variant could stop you. There were people who felt that obviously worldwide pandemic, not a good time. You've called out several times in your conference call that India, of all places, uh, it's very strong numbers. If it could be strong in India, you can only imagine there isn't anywhere in the world it would be strong. Yes, actually, during uh, some of the darkest times of the Delta resurgence, we were seeing growth rates of 60% year over year. And so this just reinforces the serious demand to find connection and love in these moments of isolation. And this is this is just universal. This is not just in India. This is you know happening both in the United States, but also globally. I think it may be universal, but you 
bring a special sauce to it. Now, you call it machine learning. I think there are probably a lot of people saying, wait a second, machine learning. What does that have to do with love? But there is some chemistry to love, correct? There is chemistry to love, but really it's all about the customer. And the customer is coming to our platforms and they are finding what they're looking for. We have very dedicated teams that are continuously optimizing machine learning to help you find better, more meaningful matches. And our brand is trusted. Our brand is a brand that has your back. We put the customer first. So when you mix our brand with our exceptional product offerings and our world-class machine learning offerings, it really serves up you know, healthy and equitable connections and relationships, which is such a fundamental need for humans around the globe. Well, let's talk about safety and health. I mean, to me, that's exactly what your company represents first. Uh, and that that may be a, a special reason why your numbers are accelerating as around the world. They realize this is the safe way for women to meet people. That's absolutely right. So everything we've done from day one has always been with the woman in mind. How do we make a woman, you know, not only feel protected, but how do we optimize the experience for accountability, for authenticity, for safety throughout the entire product? And this is a brand that women trust. You saw our exceptional growth with women and paying customers that are women. And this is really ultimately the go-to for safe and healthy relationships. And what's so exceptional about our product is that we offer more than just love. And I think that's also very exciting to investors is this horizon of social discovery. And our brand gives us permission to be that leader. So as we look across the globe, we're seeing a lot of green shoots with people that are both looking for love, but also just platonic relationships. And this is very exciting. Well, you know, I thought that BFF, you talked about the total addressable market in the conference call. And I realized that could be a great advertising vehicle. That's where I want my ad to appear, a safe, good place for friends. That's absolutely right. And it's all about community and these communities that are forming on Bumble BFF already and a very V1 product is quite amazing. And so when you think about this optimization we're doing behind the scenes to really serve this audience with a dedicated product offering that will give them the ability to find not just, you know, one-to-one friendship, but to build community around the idea of one-to-many and many-to-many, this becomes very exciting. And there's a huge lucrative opportunity down the road, both for a subscription model, but of course, advertising as well, as you mentioned, and then, of course, this creator economy. So when you look to the future of monetization of BFF, this becomes a very interesting opportunity in and of itself. And we've already proven that the subscription model for love is a remarkable one. And we continuously optimize and innovate with that. But you also talk about how you love growth and you love growth horizons. And you talked about, yes, M&A plus Bumble Brew. Uh, you got brick and mortar, maybe a safer place for women to be able to go to. That's absolutely right. So when we think about M&A, we really approach it from a very unique lens. How can we reach more audiences around the globe? As I've said, our mission at Bumble Inc. is to help all communities find healthy and equitable relationships around the world. And so that opens up a really interesting growth horizon, both from a build and buy perspective, because we have so many shared resources in this central uh, you know, infrastructure where we can optimize our pre-existing products. As I said earlier, there's such extensibility for Bumble app with women and Badoo for this incredible TAM that exists for Badoo. But we have the op- opportunity to build new products and also buy new products. And then when we move to um, the coffee shop, so this is very exciting. We certainly are not in the coffee shop business, but this is a remarkable opportunity to brand 
and um, our experience in the real world, you know, we have seen that people want to engage with our brand. They wear our shirts, they wear our t-shirts, they wear our hats. That's never been done before in the dating category. So because we have this really unique woman trusted brand, why not give them a safe space to go meet in the real world? Matches can meet, business connections can go and have a coffee. Friends can go and have coffees together or share a meal. This is a really exciting opportunity and a great marketing one. Until this quarter, there have been a lot of people who short your stock. It's 12% of the, of the float is short. I well, You know from the beginning, I thought that was dead wrong. People tried to force the stock down as soon as it came out. I said, I was on TV. I said, what is that? This is a great quarter. I'm beginning to think of all the companies that could get a meme-like following. Why not Bumble? Strong demand among 51% of the population. Obvious flywheel wherever you go. Aggressive revenue, accelerating revenue growth. I mean, I think that as you go around the world and more people hear about you, this is a company that could have accelerating revenue growth for many quarters. Realistic? For many decades, for many, many decades. And this is a this is a forever company. This is a forever brand. And we are truly just getting started. We do not, you know, play day by day. We are here for the long term and we really create impact, you know, helping people find the loves of their lives or their best friends or that next business opportunity. That's a life changing company. And to be able to do that with, you know, equitable and healthy, uh, you know, that mission of healthy and equitable relationships at the helm, this is needed globally. When you look at the need for women to find good, empowering relationships. The global TAM is remarkable. And so I agree with you. Um, I, you know, I, we personally love being underestimated. It's a great place to be. And we just keep our head down and we keep being customer obsessed and we keep being mission obsessed. And we're here for the long run. All right. Sure. Next time we're going to talk about the two tiers and how many people are taking the higher tier and how that is loved too, and all the innovation you keep doing. But that will have to wait because we've got it. We are running out of time. But Whitney, Wolf Heard, founder and CEO of Bumble. Congratulations on just really a terrific all-around quarter. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here. Guys, this is one inexpensive growth stock that many people are underestimating as they seem to underestimate her. I'll tell you, that's a real big mistake. Mad Money's back in for the break. I'm on a boat. Up next, the CEO of Brunswick. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Some stocks go in and out of style in the Wall Street fashion show, even as the underlying story remains incredible. Take Brunswick Corporation, the boat maker that I've been recommending for over a year for the simple reason that supply can't keep up with demand, giving them tremendous pricing power. 
Brunswick just reported yet another phenomenal quarter late last month, yet it's still down more than 10 bucks from its highs. I think that makes it a steal. Earlier today, we got a chance to check in on this one in a more hands-on way when we spoke to David Folks, the CEO of Brunswick Corporation, in front of one of his new Outrage 420 Anniversary Edition boats. Take a look. David, we're at maybe the most exciting place <laughs> if you're a boater, but maybe someone who should be a boater. You have done remarkable things to get new people in, all types. Tell me about it. Well, we have so many brands, Jim. We have 17 different brands. Just think about our portfolio. 80% of the boats that we make cost less than $50,000. So we have an entry point for everybody who wants to buy a new boat. We're also now into pre-owned boats. And of course, you know, we have the great shared access model with Freedom Boat Club. Freedom has 67,000 members now, 4,000 boats. It's a shared access model. You pay a joining fee, you pay monthly fees, but it's so convenient for everybody. You turn up, the boat's ready to go. You drop the boat off at the end. If you're not interested in that part of boating, that's absolutely the model for you. And now expanding into Europe as well. I saw that Spanish acquisition. I think it's brilliant. What is the uptake of people who say, you know what? This is fantastic. I got to have a boat. Uh, quite a bit. And actually, more recently, what we're seeing is since we put Brunswick boats into Freedom, like the Sea Ray brand, and we were just talking on the way here about another case of somebody who'd used the Sea Ray in Freedom and bought a Sea Ray going out of Freedom. Now, what we did find, though, Jim, is that most people who join Freedom are not in the market for a new boat. Okay. They want this particular access model. So we're not cannibalizing. Uh, you know, our new boat sales, really. But what we want is, if people exit Freedom, we want them to get into a Brunswick boat. Well, I don't right? blame yeah. David on my advantage. Uh, I keep discovering new technology. Yeah. Obviously, you have filled these boats with yeah. convenient technology that is surprising and awesome. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's more coming. I, I think, you know, right behind us here is a, a Boston whaler with triple 600 horsepower engine. Which is insane. It, well, <laughs> we, lo we love it, of course. But just inside those engines, the first time anybody has put an automatic transmission inside an outboard engine. If you look on the helm there, you control that boat with a joystick. Everybody who, you know, has ever gamed in their life can control a boat like this. So we try, we love new technology, but we want it to add value particularly for new people coming into boating who might not you know, be quite as familiar with the traditional controls, this suddenly looks familiar to them. Whether it's the cameras, whether it's right. GPS, whatever it is, they're familiar with it now. So that's the kind of thing that we like to add. Okay, so Dave, one of the things that the so-called knock on the stock is that, mm -hmm. look, boats very cyclical, mm -hmm. uh, when things turn down, people don't buy them, the multiple shrinks, but Navico, mm -hmm. technology, the whole next wave program, all your parts and accessories, better motors. These are all the great things that are not at all tied to the cycle. No, they're really not. You know, Jim, 50% of our earnings now is essentially an annuity. Aftermarket P&A, so as long as people are both Parts and accessories. Parts and accessories, yeah. You know, they, we don't have to have new boat sales. Of course, we love that. But, but even if people are using their boat, they consume oil, they, cons you know, they break things or, or whatever it is. So that combined with 
people repowering their existing boats with our engines, and now Freedom, which is really another version of annuity. It's a subscription model. That's 50% of our earnings with the highest margins in our business. You know, 20 plus percent operating margins in that segment. But my wife's got the license. She's the one who uses it. I thought she was an anomaly. Not only is she not an anomaly, but you have led the way in terms of breaking the glass ceiling for women. Brunswick is doing it. We are doing it. You know, if you look at our four divisions, two of them are headed by women, two of the CFOs are women, both our CMOs are women. The chief designer for the CRA behind us is a woman. You have to embed that diversity in your company to get the kind of products that, that excite and entice women into boating. And having that perspective internally is absolutely essential to our DNA. It's really a pillar of our company. I, I don't want to harp on any negatives, but you did. You talked about how the second half is going to be harder because of, of these raw costs. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can pass on those, right? I mean, the demand, how, you can't get just call up and get that boat. There's <laughs> enough demand that I believe you can pass on these, these difficult costs. We can. You know, obviously in the long term, we want to keep boating affordable. That's part of what we do. But, of course, we also want to cover our costs. And we do have some exceptional costs this year associated with the supply chain. Um, we, we have implemented cost uh, uh, pricing that covers those costs. Yeah, but well, you're adding capacity. We're, so you... we're adding capacity, too. We certainly want to get as many people into boating as we can in the long term. But absolutely, we have an opportunity right now to price to cover those costs. But we price at the lower end. You know, we, we try to not not do it too much. So we've, we've always got a long-term view. Well, David Fox, CEO, <laughs> Brunswick, Symbol BC, you've done a remarkable job. Thank you know you our much. believer, others should be. Thank you very much, Jim. Great to see you. Coming up, Parks Plus, Premier Access, and more. The CEO of Disney has lots of ground to cover when he joins Kramer next. stocks that benefit both from the pandemic and from the great reopening, but I think I found one, and it's Walt Disney. This company just reported a smashing quarter tonight as their movie and theme park business start returning to normal, and their online streaming business came in sharply better than expected. Frankly, I'm blown away by how great this quarter was. But do not take it from me. Let's sink deeper with Bob Chapek. He's the new CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Mr. Chapek, welcome to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. How are you? Bob, I don't know. Look, I'm, uh, I'm grateful because of this quarter, because it makes me happy, because when Disney does well, we all do well. 18 months ago, you came in. Uh, almost immediately, you had to deal with this pandemic across all businesses. And yet you grew. You grew almost in every line this quarter. How'd you do it? Well, I think it's focusing on what makes Disney different. You know, it all starts with our storytelling told by the world's greatest storytellers. We decided early on in the pandemic, rather than to put it in neutral and see what happens, to step on the gas, step on the gas on the two biggest initiatives that we have going on in the company. One is obviously our direct-to-consumer uh, proposition with Disney Plus, but also in our theme park business. You know, very rarely do we have to put up with a situation like a pandemic, but rather than take it just for the negatives, and there were plenty of them because we had to shut most of our businesses down, we decided that we were going to go ahead and transform our theme park business, really re-examine how we maximize the satisfaction of our guests in our park, and at the same time, use as an opportunity to commercialize parts of the business that, frankly, we've not been able to commercialize in the past. So we're really proud of the hard work that our entire 
team has done here during the worst of times. All right. So, Bob, one of the things that, that did amaze me was that on your call, you actually said, look, the reservations are strong. I've always felt that reservations are a great barometer of the theme park business, which obviously you know more about than anybody. How is it possible during the Delta variant, all the concerns, hotspots in Florida, that the numbers are growing and getting stronger? Consumer trust, Jim. We have built up a history of consumer trust and confidence. When we opened up Walt Disney World back in the middle of the pandemic, there were a lot of doubters. But through things like the MBA experience that we had there and showed everybody in the world that we could operate responsibly in the midst of this pandemic. And we've been operating Walt Disney World now for about a year. And we're very, very proud of what our cast has been able to do. And I think now that actually builds the brand, builds the equity, builds the trust that a family can come to Walt Disney World and feel like they're responsibly being taken care of. Now, I want to talk about safety for a second, because you talk about the idea of the brand, what it means. I understand that you have a very tough policy on vaccinations. We had uh, Frank Del Rio on last night, CEO of Norwegian Cruise. He's being tough, too. The governor is very critical of his view. How does the governor feel about your view in Florida? Because, frankly, I'm hearing that you are being very, very adamant about vaccinations. Well, we believe that vaccinations are the key to really mitigating the impact of this pandemic. And, you know, uh, we here at Disney don't control what the rest of the world does, but we do have about a quarter of a million cast members that we'd love to see vaccinated. We think we owe it to them being in the public eye, but we also owe it to our guests at the same time. We've got a tremendous relationship with the governor of Florida. And while, you know, we see the whole uh, obligation to be vaccinated and mask wearing maybe a little bit differently. Uh, he's given us the degrees of freedom to do what we need to do in order to protect our guests, protect our cast and stay in business. That means you'll be willing to fire people if they don't get vaccinated. Well, we believe what we'd like to do is convince them that it's in everyone's best interest in order to get vaccinated for the greater good, Jim. And uh, the greater good includes our guests. And again, it goes back to that contract that we've got with our guests that will operate responsibly. Fair enough. Now, we can't uh, overlook the fact that Disney Plus was pretty amazing, actually. Uh, there have been some talk that maybe Disney Plus have been peaking. To me, that's obviously not the case. You had talked earlier about 230 to 260 million people by 2024. I'm not saying anything's a layup. I am saying from the numbers that I see, to me, it seems like you're on course. Well, we're very confident in our sub trajectory. And that really is a function, as we said in our earnings uh, uh, extravaganza that we had last December, that we were going to really double down on our content investment, particularly across our powerhouse franchises. And we're doing that. We're starting to see those now begin to trickle in to the pipeline. And our confidence only continues to grow as that content now begins to permeate our services. And it's not just the global franchises, Jim. It's also the local content that we're developing in each and every country. It's really gonna be a powerhouse lineup and that continues to build that price value proposition, which hits the ARPU. So we're really, really happy with where we're headed. Now that average revenue per user, you did raise uh, rates. It does not seem to have dented the signups. Not at all. Our churn rate is down. Our retention rate is up and we're still adding subs. So it's a perfect uh, indication of what that price value uh, relationship is for the guest. And uh, I think uh, it gives us more fuel for the future.
Now, I was also surprised. One of my favorites is ESPN+. Plus. I am addicted to fantasy football. You have to know it. You have to be on it. The, the numbers are growing here. I remember when the conversation with the CEO would always be, how come ESPN is weighing you down? ESPN Plus is weighing you up. ESPN Plus is weighing us up, and I believe our confidence uh, is seen through the indication of the rights deals that we've gone out and uh, secured over the last few months. You know, we're in pretty much every major sport, Jim, and I think that says something about the confidence, not only about the brand ESPN, but more importantly, ESPN Plus, because as you know, each one of these deals gives us the flexibility to evolve from linear and more traditional legacy distribution channels to direct to consumer. And that's key for us because then as we see this marketplace evolve and as we want to go ahead and be a little bit more aggressive on the DTC side for ESPN, we have that ability to do that. Yeah, it clearly works. That's the best way we that's actually how we want it. Those of us who are addicted want it that way. Now, let's talk about your approach, the controversial theatrical window. Earlier this week, I had the real showman, Adam Aaron on AMC. He tells me, listen, if you want a blockbuster, it's got to start at the theater, that people want to go to the theater more than ever. He questioned the idea that you had a blockbuster start at home, one that my family enjoyed for 30 bucks. Of course, we do have another controversy. We have an actress who feels that you didn't do right by her because you didn't start it in the theater. I'm beginning to think, wait a second, after this quarter, the Adam Aarons, the actresses, maybe this is the new reality. Because I think you made a ton of money. I know it's not on the, in the conference call, but I think you made a ton of money uh, with Black Widow. I think there's a, a very rapidly growing uh, evolution in how consumers want to consume their movies. Certainly, there's always going to be people that love the theatrical experience. I love the theatrical experience. We at Disney love it. We've grown all of our franchises through the theatrical experience. Yet at the very same time, we know that because of technology evolution and accelerated dramatically by COVID, that there's a lot of people like yourself that want to enjoy the movies at home, our movies at home. You know, uh, ignore the consumer at your own perils, what I like to say, because we understand that the world is changing and we want to continue to evolve and be on the front end of that wave. We don't want to be trailering this. We want to be on the front end of it. But we also want to make choices available for consumers so that they get the opportunity to enjoy it any way they want to. And we think there's a solution just like Every time this business goes through an evolution, we think there's a solution that can make everyone happy, all of our constituents in the value chain, so that everyone gets what they need out of this proposition. But we only get that if we ultimately make the consumer happy. Well, if, if, if you have an unbelievable intellectual property, just the, the best in the world. Nobody knows that. I mean, to me, what I'm hearing is, look, you can do intellectual property without people. And crush it. And I've seen it. I've seen the, the way that it can be done. It, it's so lifelike. Is it better just do that? The actors and actresses seem a little finicky. Maybe the contracts have to be rewritten. Well, you know, there's nothing more powerful than our characters and our franchises. And those characters are embodied by the actors who play them. Scarlett Johansson is a great actress. She did a great job in Black Widow. And Black Widow was a big success, as you suggest, for us. And uh, we don't think that we're ever going to be in a position where their importance to us is in any way 
going to be diminished. Uh, they are the DNA, if you will, of these characters. They bring these characters to life. They bring a lot of love and affinity to these movies because, yes, they're action and adventure, but they're also emotion. And uh, we're, we're proud to be in business with a lot of them. We've done uh, lots of deals for our content going forward and believe that uh, we'll be just fine in the future in terms of talent relations. The one last thing that I find rather amazing, it does not get talked about enough. Everybody is worried about our relationship with China. After reading your numbers in China, they are sharply better than expected. They still love us, don't they? Well, the Chinese consumers absolutely love us. And as you know, we're going to get Luca, our first film in quite a long time, through Chinese theatrical distribution. So we're really glad to have that happen. Uh, we think we've got the kind of content, content, Jim, that really appeals globally. History shows that. And I think, once again, if there's consumer demand for our titles... Uh, whether you're talking about Asia, Latin America, Europe, or North America, uh, that's going to reign supreme. And uh, we're just glad to be able to take our movies to our audience across the world, including China, uh, and uh, have a very vibrant business there. Well, I'll tell you about, I mean, to me, this was a quarter that looked like it was post-COVID. You and I both know it's not post-COVID. So you've done an absolute remarkable job. And we wish you the best of luck, but I don't know if you need luck. This was one darn great quarter. Great to see you, Bob Chapek, CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Thank you, Jim. Guys, look, up 11's not enough. It's gone much higher. I just wish I had been more bullish about it. Man, money's back in. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dance. I'm the lightning round. I'm going to with Roy Amahose, New Jersey. Roy. Hey, Jim. And thanks for all the superb work you do for us out Appreciate here. Appreciate it. I'm calling you about a pharmaceutical stock I bought about six months ago that had success with a highly touted cancer drug. At that time, analysts were concluding that the $16 stock was worth anywhere between $29 to $42. Bucks. I bought in at 16 and have ridden this thing all the way down to less than five bucks today, loss of 70%. The company is Carrier Farm. Yes, nothing special, sir. Honestly, nothing special. I mean, look, Bristol Myers has unbelievable stuff against cancer, and its stock can't get out of its own way. So, what does that say? Okay, I need to go to Mike in Virginia. Mike! Hey, Kramer, you put the boo in booyah. There you go. I always thought that. But. By the way, go Crimson. Uh, I bought this stock because uh, I wanted the dividend, but it's turned out to be a growth stock. What do you think about IRM? Iron Mountain. Why did people not like Iron Mountain? It is unbelievable. The dividend has got growth. I think you're spot on. I'm liking it. I need to go to Brian. Oh, in Oregon. Brian. Hey, Jim, you highlighted the speculative biomed company in January 2020. After a huge note from B of A calling it ridiculous, how do you feel about Moderna and your all-time highs? Okay, uh, Moderna, yeah, they crushed it. Yeah, I did like it at 18, 19. Okay, here's the issue with Moderna. You got to buy calls, not common stock. 
because the thing is just trading like a banshee. But I believe that Bansell has cancer vaccines next, and now he has the money to do the trials. So I'm okay with Moderna, which I will get the booster of hopefully September 3rd if the FDA allows me. Michael in New York. Michael! Big booyah, Professor Kramer, once again. Thank you for everything you and Jeff uh, do for the Action Alerts Plus. Yes, I'm a member for two years now. Very happy with you guys. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. So so real quick, uh, NVDA. NVDA, NVIDIA. Hey, congratulations to Jensen Wong winning the Noyce Award for the best semi-guy of the year. And that, ladies and gentlemen, to the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, hot, hot, Mike. Make sense of the day's most critical market machinations in no time flat. Stick with Kramer for a special no huddle next. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. then a star is born just like the movie whether we're talking the judy garland version the barbara streisand version or of course the lady gaga version we've had a ton of ipos over the past year but so far i see only two legitimate big time stars two companies that could be the next big thing in their respective categories and somehow they both reported on tuesday night I'm talking about Doximity and Upstart Holdings. Doximity is like a, it's like a, a LinkedIn for doctors with a bunch of cloud-based software tools to help them manage their practices. Upstart is a disruptor in the consumer lending space. They use AI, <laughs> artificial intelligence, to match potential borrowers with potential money lenders, then take a referral fee on each loan. Unlike most of the junk that's come public this year, both of these companies are actually, get this, both companies, they're actually profitable. And today, they both continue to explode higher after reporting breakout quarters, the second straight day of massive moves. House of pleasure. These stocks will never be cheap, but I bet they still have a lot more upside. Bye, 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 bye. Why? Well, why don't we start first with Doximity, simple docs. This is a tremendous digital platform that already counts 80% of doctors, 50% of nurses as members. Big Pharma is desperate to advertise to these people. They've got to get to them, and the whole industry spends a fortune on marketing. My wife was a detail person for Medicis, a once great dermatology company, and she would have to go for miles and miles to see doctors all over the country try to sell them Restylane, which is a wrinkle remover, not unlike Botox. Sending out all these sales reps is an expensive process. Advertising on Doximity is a lot more efficient. And it's not just drug companies trying to get the word out about their products. Hospitals also use this platform to recruit. Doctors use it to find out about new treatments. Best of all, Doximity's got a bunch of software tools to make it easier for doctors to manage their practices, including ways to communicate with their patients while hiding your phone. Have you ever seen that when it says the doctor calls and doesn't have the phone number? It's probably Doximity. Oh, why not? I mean, it's essential given that <laughs> some patients will call nonstop if they get the chance. 
How about the numbers? In this latest quarter, Doximity sales doubled year over year. Their EBITDA margin came in at 43%, and also we're looking for 30%. That's extraordinary. As J.P. Morgan said about the quarter, reiterating overweight, no need for a second opinion. As for Upstart, they facilitate loans for other banks, meaning the bank... This one, Upstart, it has no credit risk. They use artificial intelligence to screen borrowers, and their loan origination is so strong that one bank just suspended its use of FICO scores. Turns out, Upstart is more effective. CEO Dave Girard, formerly of Google, prides himself on creating something that's made the 30-year-old FICO score method obsolete. As he puts it, FICO, quote, leaves too many creditworthy Americans out in the cold. Prediction, they will destroy FICO as we know it. Upstart's financials are even more impressive than Doximity's. Their sales were up 60% for the previous quarter and up 1,018. That's right, 1,018%. Year over year bet. <laughs> How about that? Even better, management raised the full year sales forecast from $600 million to $750 million, and that's after raising it to $500 million to $600 million only three months ago. Like I mentioned before, Upstart's already profitable. They made $37 million this quarter. Gerard wrote me a simple, AI lending is for real, end quote, and I believe him even as he's a bit given to hyperbole, calling it the most transformational change in lending in 5,000 years. Now, having read David Graeber's 5,000-year history of debt, look it up! I'm not sure I'd go that far, but it's certainly a huge disruptor. What do you do with these two stocks? I'll say this. Stars last for a long time. So will Doximity and Upstart. You can put on a small position here and then wait for a pullback to buy more if we ever get one. But you definitely want to buy something because Doximity and Upstart are the best of the best from this year's crop of IPOs. I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.